Welcome everyone to my interview with Micah Schweitzer, the executive producer of Human Nature from Wyoming Public Media. Human Nature's episode, May the Road Rise Up to Meet You and May the Wind Stop Blowing in Your Face, is profiled on this month's podcast Brunch Club playlist on Wanderlust. I've been a Human Nature fan since it debuted back in 2016, so I am like giddy fangirling over this chat. <laughs> First of all, Micah, can you just briefly describe the show for listeners who haven't heard it before? Well, let me first say, Sarah, that it's such a, a pleasure and an honor to be on uh, Podcast Brunch Club. We've been fans of yours for a long time, too, so uh, the admiration is certainly mutual. That's the best. <laughs> um, so human nature is simply stories about people's experiences in the natural world. And we think that's important for a, a big reason, and that is that we're losing connection with nature as we engineer more of the world as we become a more urbanized species, we're losing something that's really fundamental, I think, to what it means to be human. And that is to recognize that we're part of a bigger system, that we're part of a bigger whole, and that we're not alone on this planet. What we want to do is find people who have had experiences that are dramatic or meaningful, that, that have yielded some sort of learning experience by going out into the natural world. And I feel like we get to learn something uh, of course, about other people, but also about the diverse and complex relationship we as humans have with the world around us. So that's simply what the show is about. It's just each episode is just one story about somebody's experience in nature. And how did the show originate? What was the birth story? Yeah, so this goes all the way back to when I started working here at Wyoming Public Media. So I've been here for five years. I'm celebrating my anniversary I don't know, one, one of these days here, it happened sometime in July of 2013 that I started. And early on, there were conversations with my boss about the need for a program that could somehow encapsulate Wyoming, that could be from Wyoming, but that would have an appeal to a larger audience. So one of our challenges in Wyoming is that we live in the least populated state in the U.S., and so that means there's a cap on the potential number of listeners that we have to Wyoming Public Radio. So we wanted to develop a show that could go beyond our borders and that could appeal to people beyond our borders. It was funny. I was, you know, Caroline Ballard started just about a year after I did, and I was training her on, on some uh, things here at the station. And we just got into conversation, and I mentioned this thing that I was racking my brain over, you know, what, what could this thing be that would, that would meet this standard, that would fulfill this mission? And she was like, well, a show about the outdoors, obviously, because she'd been here for only two weeks and it became immediately apparent that, you know, you, you meet someone for the first time and you wind up talking about like hiking trails or the last time you saw a moose or like what kind of boots you wear. So it was this sort of dumb moment when she pointed it out. And then we spent about a year figuring out what that meant. You know, was it going to be a show like with, you know, tent reviews in it or was it going to be some sort of little two-minute module for the radio? What was it going to be? And we eventually landed through, through sort of trial and error and a lot of conversation and brainstorming. We landed on this idea of a storytelling show that tells these stories about people's experiences in the outdoors. You mentioned this idea of appealing to a broader audience outside of Wyoming, but still wanting the connection to Wyoming. That's actually how I found your show. I was looking through different 
public radio stations and just kind of seeing what what original content different people had. Because I just, I don't know, for some reason that was just really appealing to me at that time back in 2016. I was really into the Finding America series and, and that featured tons of local stories, but they were, you know, relevant to anyone. I just really liked that local storytelling type of show. So you you found me. You found your um, target listener. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. So what do you love most about the show? Well, I mean, I love a lot of things about the show, which I suppose is good because I spend a lot of my time working on it. Um, I will say certainly one of the things I love about the show is the people I get to work with. We just have a really strong and dedicated and creative team and they're people who inspire me every day to work with. And that's certainly one aspect, you know, it makes showing up and doing the work very pleasant. I think like, about the show itself, there are a couple of things that, I, that I'm very um, proud of. One of them is that we really put the storyteller front and center. You know, if you listen to the show, you'll notice that Caroline has a pretty light touch as a host. Um, she's present. She's there with you as a listener. But she's not really running the show in kind of a traditional sense. And that's a very deliberate choice. Um, we feel like there's an awful lot of media out there. There's an awful lot of reporting out there where, you know, the person the story is about winds up becoming like a source for sound bites. And somebody else is then telling the person's story for them. And we really want to create a space where a person can tell their own story. And so that's why you really hear that the that's why you really hear the storyteller carrying the bulk of the story on their own lips. What Caroline's role is, is as I mentioned, she's somebody who can uh, be a fellow listener. She's along with the listener uh, discovering the story as well. And then she can, of course, do hosty things like help move the story if we need to jump from you know, point B to point D and sidestep point C. She can help do that efficiently. Um, but really it's about hearing somebody talk and hearing about somebody reflect on and tell their own experience. And I think that creates a, um, an environment where empathy can flourish. And I think in the national environment that we're in currently, empathy is in short supply. And I think it's really important to get back to this, this really fundamental human activity and this human need where somebody tells a story, somebody tells their truth and somebody else listens and really, like really listens and absorbs it. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I, I think about that a lot when I listen to shows like Ear Hustle or Out of the Blocks, shows where it's not about the host. It's about, you know, the, the people who don't get their story heard that often, but they have such a valuable story to tell. It's shifting the focus to the storyteller. I totally noticed it. I noticed that it's deliberate what you've done. and. Um, I like it a lot. So how do you find your storytellers? Well, at the beginning, um, it's, I, I should say it's gotten easier, of course, as the shows become better known. Um, at the beginning, it was this um, situation where we just had to, you know, talk to people we knew or, uh, you know, meet people at backyard barbecues and sort of have your ear to the ground and be like, wait, that could make a good story. That's how one of our favorite episodes actually came around. Our senior producer, Aaron Jones, was, in fact, at a backyard barbecue and was talking to somebody, and she was like, so what's new with you? And the guy goes, oh, well, my, my friend just got back from walking from Oregon to the tip of South America, so he's crashing on my couch at the moment. 
And so Aaron's ears, of course, picked up and she's like, uh, can I meet this guy? <laughs> of course. And, <laughs> right. And so that was episode 11. Um, I hope I get the number right. Uh, at any rate, it's Hoofprints on the Heart, which is really one of our all-time favorites. The story about John Dunham and this remarkable like, like love story with him and his donkey as they travel through Mexico and South America. So at the beginning, that's how we found stories. We'd read things that struck our fancy or we'd you know, just hear about something through the grapevine. Now we're getting, I would say most of our stories now are actually coming from listeners, which is really exciting. People are just emailing us and saying, hey, I had this thing happen or hey, I knew this person, I know this person. Uh, I think they might make a good episode. And um, you know, people's instincts are good. They get the show and most of the time there's something really actionable there. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you remember how you found Christina Lee, the runner in the episode that we have on the playlist? Yeah, that was, of course, one of the, you know, sort of cheapest approaches to booking someone. <laughs> She's a friend of Caroline's. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So one of, the, one of the people who's one of, one of my big inspirations for the work that we're doing is Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And when Glenn won the, the, ta- the NPR talent contest that led to the creation of Snap Judgment, a producer said, congratulations on winning. I hope you have a lot of interesting friends because that's your show for the first year. <laughs> and <laughs> we certainly found that to be true. Yeah, yeah. What did you find compelling about Christina's story? So with Christina, I think there were, there were a couple of ideas that, that popped up. Um, one, which I, I can't, I don't know that that became really a focal point in the story as we told it, but, but one of the things that we were interested going into it was this idea of how you present something on social media versus how you're actually experiencing it, you know, and running from coast to coast and hearing her story is as close as I'll ever come to actually knowing what that's like because <laughs> I'm too. never doing that myself. <laughs> She's a brave woman. <laughs> she really is. Uh, you know, it's a slog, right? And, and particularly, you know, she said that running through Wyoming was the worst part of the whole thing, which is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming's wonderful, but it's very, it's harsh and it's unforgiving in a lot of ways. And she experienced that firsthand, but she has, she's raising money. And so she's trying to make it exciting for people who are following her on Facebook or whatever. So there's this dichotomy, right? But I don't think that's in the end, what wound up really coming through as the focal point of the story, which is fine because sometimes what we imagine going in and what comes out on the other end aren't quite the same. But that's part of what's exciting and, and sort of gets the creative juices flowing. What really w- wound up coming through was this idea that she was not very trusting of other people, that she was living this kind of rat race life where you have to step on someone else going up the ladder or they'll step on you. And in doing this run, she was deeply vulnerable and had to learn to trust other people to help get her out of a bind from time to time. And so she comes out on the other side, she comes into it sort of jaded, running out of New York City, and she runs into San Francisco with this whole new viewpoint about people and the world she shares with them. So I thought that was a really beautiful message. Yeah, it really was. I, this was a great one. I hadn't listened to it since, since it came out, and um, it was a great one. It was a really nice reminder of that story. I, one, one of the things I love about human nature is that some of the stories are like funny, like the whitewater rafting one is probably my all time favorite one. That one is just fantastic, but some are almost like haunting. You know, there is a a palpitation going on. You're really nervous for this person about what's going to happen next. 
So are there any particular emotions that any any of the people you profiled, have they stuck with you over time? Any in particular? I mean, I know I'm sure you love all of the stories and appreciate all of your storytellers, but, you know, have there been any that have you just, this one keeps coming up for you over and over. You just keep thinking, I can't believe this situation. Yeah, there's, there certainly are a, a number like that. This is, I'll, I'll tell you sort of a dirty secret of, of <laughs> producers. <laughs> At least it's true for me. And I, I don't think I'm alone in this is you don't tend to look back a lot. You just yeah. relentlessly move forward. Yep. And so, you know, people will ask me like, oh, like what's the coolest person you've ever interviewed? You know, because I do arts and culture coverage too, and I've done news. And I've inter- inter- interviewed some, some amazing people in my career. And, and they ask that question, I just blank. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we're always looking forward. So I think, I think it says something when, when something really does stick it's maybe a sign that, yeah, there was really something a little extra special going on with that one. So one of them for sure is uh, The Hunt. And I don't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but that was this, that was this past spring. And it's uh, Jesse Johnson is a bow hunter, and she actually is involved with a couple of conservation nonprofits, one of them focused on women bow hunters. And She's just this remarkably ethical hunter. She really does it for the right reasons and she does it right and she reflects on what it means to take another life. And so she told this story of going out into the into the forest, into the mountains for her elk hunt. And it's just this vivid storytelling. I, I it was just I was just glued listening to the interview. I'm on the other side of the glass. Caroline and Jesse are sitting on, on, in, the, in the other studio, the, the one that I'm looking into, and I was just riveted. And normally, uh, this is another sort of little dirty secret from behind the scenes, you know, normally when you're taping, you know, you're 40 minutes in, you're an hour in, and you're starting to glaze over a little bit because you're just sitting and listening to raw tape happening. And I was just riveted. I remember looking at the clock like 50 minutes into the interview through, through tears, I think I was actually like tearing up listening to this story and, and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm reacting like I'm this glued and this moved by the raw tape. What's going to happen when this thing's actually produced? And it just has turned out to be the most, it's, I think I cried every, every time I heard it during the production process. Um, it's, it's just a difficult and very beautiful story. And She's just a naturally gifted storyteller. I mean, it's just just vivid words, vivid language, and a really compelling story about what happens when you you have the perfect shot on the perfect animal, and then you lose it. Yeah, I remember that one vividly also. So obviously, it's not just you. It had an effect on other people too. So definitely a great example. Listeners should definitely check that one out. Yeah, I was also proud of that story. Um, this sounds maybe a little weird, but I was proud of that story because it's the first time we got really strong negative feedback. Oh, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like if people like everything you do, I don't know. It's maybe it's not. I don't think that's the endorsement you might think it is. And so mm-hmm. we got a a really pretty impassioned email from somebody who just thought it was like a totally irresponsible story, hmm. and that we're glorifying killing and death and suffering. You know, I think there were some interesting points in the email. I, I wrote back a response, you know, saying why we thought this was an important story and why we thought it was really thoughtful and, um, you know, that we weren't glorifying negative things like that. But, you know, I think when you do something that's difficult and when you do something that's really interesting, not everyone's going to like it. And that's an indication that maybe you are doing something right if you get a spectrum of responses. 
definitely you evoked something. Right. So has the production team kept in touch with some of the storytellers? I'm hoping so. To some degree, we have. We certainly are in touch with with people, you know, once the story comes out, because we'll often tape like six months in advance Uh, of the story being released. And so, you know, it's like, thanks so much for your time. It was great. Uh, and it's like radio silence for half mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, so we get in touch with them again and, and let them know that it's out and invite them to to share with their friends. Because, you know, honestly, I think I feel like word of mouth is the best single way of turning somebody on to a new show. Um, oh, yeah. you, know, you can do all the, all like the advertising and social media, st- media stuff you want. And in the end, somebody saying, hey, you should listen to this is better than all of that put together. Totally. But we also, we have maintained contact with a couple of people. We've looped back around to them. So you mentioned the whitewater rafting story, which is also one of my favorite ones, the, 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 uh, the raft trip mutiny that you know, nearly yes. ends in carnage but doesn't and is therefore extremely funny. Um, actually, that one got a negative response too, where somebody was like, if, that hadn't, if they hadn't you know, survived, this would have been a horrible, non-funny story. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, the, that's why it's funny because they did survive. <laughs> <laughs> so, we left that comment up on the website for a long time. I was really proud of it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, two pe- so, so Charlie Thomas, who told that zany story on the snake river in the 1980s he was episode one as well and so um we came back to him later to to tell this other story and we've done the same thing now with with somebody else so susan wydell who is uh one of two storytellers in the uh episode dogs are people too about the the rescued um pit bulls uh from michael vick's dog fighting Uh i mean she's like animal lover par excellence, just an inspiration. And she's involved with a wolf sanctuary where wolf-dog hybrids and, and perhaps some purebred wolves, but, but domesticated ones are rescued from abuse and ne- neglect scenarios and given a really nice life in a sanctuary in Colorado where they can live out their lives uh, you know, in a, in a really beautiful setting and, and works for their behavior and their species and so forth. And so we reconnected with her just a little earlier in July, and we went down to the wolf sanctuary, and this is like a career highlight. We got to be licked by wolves. Aww. <laughs> it was like the most amazing experience to be, to like really meet a wolf in person. It was, it was, uh, it was really beautiful. And so we have a great story about the sanctuary. Five or six years ago, they had a wildfire in the canyon where the sanctuary is, where the wolves live. And all those wolves had to be, 30 wolves had to be evacuated and they had to find places to put them. And it's a, it's an amazing story. And so Susan's back as one of the people telling that story. I'm really, really excited for that coming up in uh, season four. Oh, very cool. Well, before we wrap up, I have one final question, which we try to ask all of our guests. So a little bit of background. I don't think there's a podcast brunch club in Wyoming yet, but at most of our podcast brunch club meetings, after we talk about the playlist for the month, almost 100% of the meetings that I go to, we talk about everything else we've been listening to. So we want to know from you, Micah Schweitzer, what podcast would you recommend? And if applicable, is there any specific episode you'd like to recommend? Yes, I knew this was coming because you warned me <laughs> in an email, and so I thought about it. And I want to recommend a podcast called Threshold. 
And Threshold is produced by a woman named Amy Martin and and her team, and they're up in Missoula, Montana. So it's a you know props to another Western show, and every season tackles a pressing environmental issue. And season one, which was last year, um, 2017, was about the complicated past and future of the American bison. And they're working on season two right now, which is going to come out at some point in the fall. And that's about the Arctic and how it's being affected by climate change. Awesome. And um, season one, I think it was about six episodes. They it's, it started at the beginning. You got to listen straight through because okay. they build on each other. What I really love about Threshold is they're tackling really big, really important issues, but they're doing it in a way that's really engrossing and, you know, dare I say, even entertaining. And so it's really worth a listen and um, just really compelling. Uh, it's a great show. Awesome. I will add it to my list, my ever-growing, super long list. Um, <laughs> I know there's so much out there, right? I know, so much good stuff and so much like creative yeah. things like that, like you just said, like I wouldn't have thought that existed, but of course it does in podcast form. Um, yeah. Okay, so thank you so much, Micah. You fulfilled my fangirling dream of meeting at least one person from the Human Nature team. If listeners are interested, I have featured Human Nature myself over on Audible Feast several times, lots of write-ups. I need to write a full, proper review of the show also, but I always move it to the top of my listening list when I see a new episode, so I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk with you. Where can listeners find out more about the show? Our website is humannaturepodcast.org, and human nature is, um, there's probably a technical term for this that I should learn, but it's two. Is it a portmanteau? Maybe it's a portmanteau. Anyway, Maybe. it's two words that are smushed together. So it's human nature sharing just one end in the middle. So humannaturepodcast.org. And then, of course, we're on you know all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, we really like Radio Public, so I'll give a plug for that as well. Me too. Um, it's just a nice player, and um, there are lots of good shows on on Radio Public. It's it's not quite the uh, jungle that that like an Apple Podcast is. It's a more curated list of I think about a thousand podcasts. So, uh, you know, something you can you can listen to all of them in an afternoon. No, not really, but uh, <laughs> but it is more manageable for sure. Yeah, it is awesome, and it works on all platforms too. Oh yeah, it's it's very cool. All right, yeah. thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Sarah. I, we, we just are so tickled to be part of the Podcast Brunch Club. And of course, we're always super excited when we get featured on Audible Feast as well. You're doing fabulous work and uh, we're just honored to be part of it. Thanks. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club, and I'm here with a little housekeeping. Most importantly, be sure to rate and review the Podcast Brunch Club podcast on your podcast player of choice. It helps us out a lot. The music you heard today is downloaded from freemusicarchive.org, and this episode featured music from Ketza with their song Starwalk, and Misael Ghana with Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by Adela, our leader and all-around superstar, Adela's co-host on the podcast is Sarah De Silva, the leader of the Houston chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club and founder of Audible Feast. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Stephen Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks and happy listening. <laughs>